Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. That is our number. If you prefer email, that's fine. It's dave at petsofinancial.net. It seems like every week I hear Wall Street, I mean, pretty much constant, right? Commentary that the market can't be doing what it's doing. It simply shouldn't be up this much. We're short stocks. Our position is yada, yada. And it's not just that it's wrong. It's kind of puzzling, right? It's we can't figure out why. I can't figure out why this isn't working. Meaning the market's going higher and it just isn't supposed to. And it wasn't supposed to at the beginning of the year. It's not supposed to. It simply is going higher. And it's not meant to go up. It shouldn't have been going up. It should have kept going down like it was last year. That's really this constant mantra. And we continue to try to predict what the market's going to do. And we listen to it. And, and, and once again, this isn't me trying to be funny. 51% of the time, Wall Street's wrong. So slightly more than a coin flip are the people we're listening to paying big bucks for, spending our time listening to, and they're wrong 51% of the time. Now, this doesn't make any sense. Unless, of course, we're pretty sure that they're, we can go find the ones that are right more than 50% of the time. But collectively, they're not. They're not right more than half the time. That's an astounding fact of why it is hard, I think, for us to just stop and let go. We don't know. And you don't have to predict. You don't have to predict what the market's going to do ever to become independently wealthy. However you define that. Because the market just does what it does. It does it even if, like, JoJo's in charge. It does it even if, like, Trump is in charge. It does it no matter how big, powerful, overlording, stupid our government becomes. No matter what they do that you disagree with, or even most of us disagree with, the corporations of the world keep rolling. And the market keeps rolling. And that's not a prediction that it's going to keep rolling next week. 
But the only way you got this return for this year was to completely ignore the predictions and continue to own the great corporations in the world. That's what it took to get more than 25% off the bottom in October when everybody was sure the market was going to continue to go down. And particularly astounding is the 50% return you have in the NASDAQ for the very stocks that everybody knew wouldn't perform well. Instead of simply saying, hey, now that they're down, why don't we buy some? Oh, I've got an amazing opportunity to buy Apple down 25 or 30%. Amazon off 40%. Maybe I'll take a flyer on Tesla off 75%. This isn't making fun of hindsight. This is what the fact of the day was. The fact every single time of what Wall Street tells you. Every time. Absolutely every single time. Whatever has been transpiring, we assume is going to continue to be. Always. Always. We never seem to catch those bargains. Why? Because those times look like, and we're told by the experts, that are wrong 51% of the time, but there you go. We listen with bated breath, no, it's going to be really, really bad for the tech stocks for as far as the eye can see. You don't want to be buying these stocks at a third off or 40% off. We'll let you know at all-time highs again when you can own these, okay? Helpful, isn't it? But we never seem to learn from that because when it is down in a corrective mode, bargains are there, it looks like a crummy world to be investing into not a bargain basement world where we really make the money. That's the reality of it. We just have to try to overcome that. Not just to trade, because that's not what we're talking about. It's owning stocks when everybody's telling you not to. It's buying when you have cash on those dips. This year is one of those Picture-perfect lessons of, well, really, a couple things, right? You can just flip the coin over. What not to do, quit listening, quit trading, and really seriously, what to do. Quit worrying. Buy when prices are down. Hold when the experts are telling you, Things are really looking bad. That's the lesson. That's the lesson. All right. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDL. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello. Welcome. Thank you again for joining us. And, of course, it's uh, Dave at PetsoFinancial.net if you prefer email. I'm going to talk about this in the next hour a little bit because it's. I, I, I know I've been kind of on this run of we don't have to try to predict, right? It's in, and it's one of those things that just feels like we continue to well, automatically do as humans, right? We, we, we predict the future. It's, it's what we do. 
it's natural. But it's also naturally deadly in most everything, right? Th- think about this from the climate perspective, okay? I was told with all of my 12th grade, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old students in my class that the world would be orange now. There was really no option. It was pretty much a done deal. Not pretty much, totally a done deal. And then the world, actually, the world was going to be orange out of energy by 1980s, out of oil. I thought we were also going to run out of rare earth materials, except we keep like literally inventing new ones. Yeah, I I read this article. It's very interesting. Um, The amount of tin in a tin can in the 1950s was three ounces, actually over three ounces a can. It's less than half an ounce per can today. Technology. We're so much more productive as we add billions of people to the world. As we figure out new ways we're going to run out of energy. As the facts change, they simply make predictions that go forward instead of even acknowledging we're wrong. We can't predict the future. It's absurd, and we're really sorry we scared all you little kids. Because it's pointless to have done that. It's pointless to predict now that some, what what was it, 20 years ago, that 10 years ago, uh, Al Gore said the world would end, the, the seas would rise, and the blah, 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 and we're having more of this and more of that. And it's like, no, the 1920s had the worst hurricanes on, on record. It's not denying climate change. It's just simply saying, what are we going to do about it? And is the world really going to end? Is it really, are we really running out of energy? Or is the sun the answer in the long run? And in the meantime, we just simply find more oil. And we've only scratched the surface of what and where rare earth materials are. We don't run out of anything. We've never run out of anything. But, oh, the doomsdayers continue to say that. And why is that important? Because that's our perception of what's going on in our world. That's our perception of how we feel, how we feel about the markets, how we feel about corporations, how we feel about our politicians and our future. We're all wound up. We're all angry. We're all nervous. And even maybe intensely so. How does that make you feel about investing? Can you? Will you? Or do you just hide? Most everybody hides. Because the feel of it is we're all going to die. And if that's the feeling, why in the world would I invest in anything? Because... I am investing in the future. But if we just assume that there's a future of some kind, maybe not the one we would draw up, maybe not the one that we are the most happy about, but that there is one that corporations will figure out ways around, that the technology will continue to improve, allowing us to never run out like we've never run out of anything. 
it is astounding how much we worry about things that have never really transpired. How our own perspective is that, yeah, but, yeah, but what? This time, the world will be orange. Yeah, but this time, we will run out of energy. Yeah, but this time, stocks will never come back. Yeah, not this time. These politicians never will change. They'll never get along again. It's always a feeling that we're caught in that. Yeah, but. But it's super important that we think about this and we think about, if you will, that the world does change. And because of the technology, we get to enjoy those changes, not die from it, not run out from it, not even have our lifestyle disintegrate. That is an astounding thing, isn't it? When you stop and you realize that this, in fact, has never been a problem in the reasonably long run, that we would run out of anything. But we spend our time exactly worrying about all of that and teaching our kids that the end is here or near. If they don't, whatever. Go crush yourself. Go jump on a spear. If enough of you do, I'll tell you what, the world will somehow not be orange. We won't run out of rare earths. If enough of you just go kill yourself. Or or what? Stop living? Yeah, don't 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 use a toilet. No, don't you dare eat. Don't you dare drive anywhere. Don't you dare live. And unfortunately, that's our message. But it's not true. It never has been. And that, to me, is one of the tricks of investing because you are investing in a future. We'll be back after Fox News, top of the hour. Hello, welcome, and once again, thank you for joining us. And, of course, these are my opinions, my opinions only. We're not here to tell you what to buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. Making noise, that's all that is, just banging a tambourine in the back. You know, look at me, listen to me. I'm a noisemaker. Listen to me make predictions that are not right. And mostly, let me tell you why you ought to be scared and why I'm going to help you navigate these scary, scary markets. Buy gold. Buy some equity indexed annuity. Pitch and fear. All fear all the time. Remember the digital currency? Oh, yeah. No, that's still around. Um, remember how the Japanese were going to take over? Yeah. Yeah, they were. If we could only be more like the Japanese, we're all going to die. The economy's done. Too much debt. And there is. There is. Way too much debt. Way too much 
government involvement in everything and every aspect of our lives, if they know better how we should live our lives. I get that, but that has nothing to do with the continued reimagination of everything from energy, rare metals. Is AI going to kill the world? Probably, possibly. I don't know. But in the meantime, what it will go do is solve an awful lot of human problems, disease. But it will be a transformation that changes everything. But to predict the outcome of it is unnecessary and inaccurate. This is what's going to happen. Like when? Well, you know, like next year, or if we're trying to scare people, within the next 10 years, it's an existential threat, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's going to die, just like the film strips were taught to us when I was a teenager. The orange world to come. The running out of everything world to come. Excuse me? I know I should not believe my own lion eyes, but it looks like the world is hmm, more abundant, like way more. Like there's way more people sucking up all of the resources that they're, we're going to run out of. But now I know that the same people that predicted the end are now telling me it will be. It's just been delayed by, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever, it, but it's coming. It's coming. Just trust it. The end is near. The problem with all of this is that we don't open our eyes and just recognize that when things go on sale, we buy. We don't have to predict that this is the sector we should buy. That's the sector we should buy. For the last, as I've told you know, talked about endlessly, we all have to evolve and think about how markets change because they do. They evolve. Where once there was a time with all of the greats, they all grew up with Ben Graham's tutorials, whether it's Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Michael Price, all of the all of the greats. All of them taught us that value investing was the thing. And they were doing their analysis, and growth was too expensive, and you shouldn't chase fairy tales. Value stocks. And when they got low enough, even bad industries like steel could be bought because they're very cheap and very good. That was value investing. We were taught also that you needed to diversify all over the world. We needed emerging markets, and we built these funky graphs of multiple colored, you know, sectors to show everybody how, you know, emerging markets was going to did really good for two years in a row, and then it did really bad, and so we need to have them all right. Growth and value, stocks and bonds, and even though we never stopped to go, you know, isn't it true that stocks like always outperform bonds? Yeah, they do, over any reasonable amount of time. Yes. Don't bonds basically earn nothing after inflation? Yeah, they always have. But we're supposed to have a portfolio just chock full of that. Yeah. 
Well, what about when interest rates are zero? Oh, yeah. No, that's the way we, we learned this stuff. Come on. What are you questioning? What's the matter with you? This is what we were taught in business school and finance. Don't you know? Yeah, but I I know I shouldn't believe my own lying eyes. I, it just doesn't look like it would work if we're at like near zero interest rates. We don't stop to ask. We just continue to say we need to invest in emerging markets. But what about emerging markets? Aren't they becoming less free? Yeah. Isn't the world moving away from democracy? Yeah. Isn't that like super bad for the economy? Oh, it's worse than super bad. It's crushing. It's it's over out. Why would I invest in a business that the corrupt people can just take away tomorrow? Oh, because it it's one of the colors on our, our chart. We need to be having – it's the purple one. The, one, the one running on the bottom. That, we, we, look, see, way back here, 15 years ago, it's on the top. So any day now, it's going to go back to the top. Yeah, but, but is there a fundamental reason why? Or are we just doing what we did? Don't you think that people like John Templeton would have changed just exactly like Warren Buffett did? And not just saying, I just want to buy these companies here and saying, I'm never going to buy a growth company. We all do. And when you look at the charts, you look at the numbers. And when we talk to people, smart people, unbelievably smart people running giant businesses. And this is the head of the investment research for our firm. Okay. And. So why are you putting 4% of the money in emerging markets and another 3% in this emerging market fund over here? Well, we want the exposure to emerging markets. Why? You want exposure to China? Well, no, I mean, broadly. Oh, oh, so this is selectively like not putting your money in China. It's China and Russia and Brazil. And really, you know, like Mexico, places that are like not being run by cartels or dictators. We got to ask these questions. And, and, and when you, you say, well, I, I want international, I want U.S. And don't get me wrong. These are not all or none things. But honestly, do, do, I, do I want European companies over U.S.? Well, they're really cheap, really cheap relative to price-to-earnings ratios, uh, sales, book value, compared to the U.S. companies. <sighs> Get told that year after year after year. And then the people turn over. You know, inevitably, the Goldman Sachs people go to J.P. Morgan or whatever, or they just disappear, right? They retire. And we get a whole new batch. You mean Europe is cheaper than the U.S.? Stop. Shouldn't it be? Where is everything invented, created? All things. I don't just mean finance, technology, virtually everything. Think of it. I mean, so the Hollywood is in the news now because they can't get along with each other. So we're all shut down. Where do the movies of the world come from? 
most of them from the United States, which has 5% of the world's population and produces 25% of the world's GDP. We are flipping amazing. Oh, you can deny it. We can have a diversity, whatever, blah, blah, blah over here. And we can talk about the fact of how oppressed we were in slavery a couple hundred years ago. And, and they just go on and on and on and drone on about how bad it is. There's no country in the world that does what we do, takes care of the poor the way we do, drives the entire global economy the way we do, saves the world because of technological innovation. So we don't run out of oil. We don't run out of energy in whatever form that is, even though the experts told us we would. We don't run out. And because of that, I just look at these things and I said, why am I investing in things that are inferior? I mean, demonstrably. They don't invent things. They don't create things. They just kind of exist in that. I'm supposed to throw money at it because that's what I was taught 30 years ago is pick the purple color on the chart as well. you got to have money in purple. Why can't we think? Why can't we design something that makes sense? It doesn't mean that there aren't some corporations around the world that we should invest in. There are. But why do I want an allocation to Japan for the last 30 years? You've literally lost money in Japan for 30 years. Yeah, well, we need an allocation there because whatever color that one is might sort of the top for a year. Really? That's what thoughtful asset allocation is. Is move a percent here, one there. Or is it, why don't we buy things that make sense and actually overweight things when they get like cheap? Why do we invest in things that haven't worked and really don't look like they're going to? Is that predictive or isn't that kind of more like Reacting to what's in front of us, right there, right there in front of us. For the last 30 years, growth outperforms value. Okay, maybe I want to have a little more growth than value. Instead of guessing, is this a year for growth or value? The big companies have beaten small companies. So maybe I want to overweight the big companies to the little companies, maybe that the U.S. destroys foreign investments. What? I don't want to argue with it. I just don't need to predict when that will change. I don't need to predict at all. All I need to do is react to what's in front of me. And that's what's in front of us. The fact that these things continue to work and chasing what isn't working, hoping it's going to rebound from the bottom, when fundamentally it doesn't make any sense that it will. There are times when we have to think contrary, where we think about things changing and moving a different direction. But we don't have to be predictive about it. We can sit and think about these moves incrementally, small, Don't overdo it. You'll be okay. And it's really true. We don't have to listen to all the babble. Take up all that file space in your brain about this is the year for value. This is the year for growth. This is the year for 
whatever, foreign stocks, emerging markets, what have you. You know what this is a year for? Just like every year, it's a year for America or the world ends. If we want to change this country, we want to turn it into some nutty, whack job, woke fiasco, it'll be just like Europe. At first, innovation dies out. That's what we can have. I just don't think we're going to. I truly don't. I truly don't. We're catching ourselves in this weirdness of anti-America from within America. There's a vast number of people in Washington, D.C. that obviously hate our country. I just don't think that lasts forever because I think the reality is what are we trying to become? America does everything. We invent everything. And human innovation makes it so that we just don't run out of stuff, even though that's exactly what everybody continues to predict. It just isn't in the evidence. It's abundant. Enjoy it. And there's more because the pie is getting bigger. Your piece of the pie is getting bigger, too. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and once again, thanks for joining us, 580-5436-580-KIDO. You know, it's amazing. The Dow, this, this is really funny. I, I, you know, and I know the statistics hardly matter, but, they, but some of them are fun. The Dow is up 10 days in a row. Like, in a row. And it is this stodgy index, right, that isn't supposed to do anything like that. and hasn't done it that since 2017. Now, those are statistics that don't really matter in the long run of anything, right? They're just an anomaly. But I find those kind of anomalies very interesting and occur frequently right next to times when they're just not supposed to do that, right? We're not supposed to do that. Market wasn't supposed to be up, especially after it was up all year, like by stupid amounts. Now, the Dow was underperforming by a lot. And so, you know, you really, because remember, it's all driven by the seven tech stocks that everybody's in love with and the market isn't really going higher. And now all of a sudden it is, is that really mean the rally is broadening out and all these things that you hear but the babble about? I don't know. I don't need commentary like, oh, it's broadening out. Is it, is that, you mean it, it did broaden out or are you predicting it will continue to do that? That now we're going to shift to, the Dow components outperforming the NASDAQ. Well, no, I'm just going to predict again in a meaningless way and pretend to have been on top of whatever trend is obvious and in perfectly 2020 hindsight. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. Exactly what they do. We just have to be careful not to fall into this. Oh, yeah, 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 because we don't have to predict. Don't predict at all. All right. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Let's go to Terry. Terry, thanks for calling. Uh, good morning, Professor. 
Good morning, sir. Hey, the, the, the more I listen, the more questions I come up with. You keep interrupting my train of thought, darn it. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That means it might be somewhat thought-provoking. I know that it is for me, so there you go. You, you still amaze me the way you're able to carry on and, and, and cover time and with interesting stuff. But uh, the, the question I – or I, one of the six or seven questions I had – have you got a simple in- explanation for the inversion of interest rates? Is that just people being hmm. afraid to put their money in for longer? Uh, no, it's the opposite of that. Um, it, 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 what you have to think of is, is think of it as demand-driven. If, for example, lots and lots of people are buying 10-year bonds, what is what happens? The price of the bond goes up, which means the interest rates come down. So what you're really seeing is that people do – and are willing to go longer term, and they are less willing to go short term. And here's why. So, Terry, it's like, well, why wouldn't I take the 5% and then I can do whatever I want on the very next day with no price risk, right? But mm-hmm. there isn't any price movement on the short end, or very little, okay, I mean, next to none. And so you you find that people are saying, no, I'm, 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 I need five, five and a half right now to not park in a 4% 10-year treasury. Why would that be? Why would I tie my money up for 10 years? And I'm, just, I'm not saying you should. I am simply saying, here's why. The demand out there is saying inflation, the economy, interest rates are coming down. I want to lock in what I can get now for the next 5, 10, even longer years because they're coming down. I don't have to be perfectly right on my timing. Like, okay, I'm going to change that on August 31st when short-term rates peak, long-term, I got to hurry and get in. What I'm saying is that history says when you have an inverted yield yield curve, it's not the day that happens, but shortly thereafter, you should be adding duration, which means buying out on the yield curve because interest rates will come down on the short end and you're left holding cash, earning less and less. Now, the yield curve being inverted, this has gone on a while. It is unusual. It does often signal a recession, as you've heard off and on for the last <laughs> two years that this is inevitable. Anyway, Terry, that, that kind of a yield curve thing is very unusual because you should be paid more for tying your your money up longer, and you are in corporate world, just not the government world right now. Wow, uh, yeah, I, uh, wow. It, I'm I'm just small minded this morning. I can't uh, get past all the money sloshing around out there that we keep printing and trying mm-hmm. to tie it together. The, what it does to investing. It does. It does a lot. For number one, it really directs or misdirects. Okay, and I don't really want to say misdirects, but it's it's not natural for the economy to price stocks just based on interest rates. But but part of that happens during periods like this, transitional times. Are rates going higher or lower? We don't know right now. And so whatever burps the uh, Federal Reserve makes does have a little daily minor fluctuation, but. As I have made fun of for, for, for a number of years, this is always the explanation for everybody. Instead of, is innovation growing? 
or shrinking? Is the world growing or shrinking? Are corporate profits growing or shrinking? Is the real fundamental question the only one that matters? Or is it really just, is the Federal Reserve going to raise 25 basis points? How many times this year? And they've been so wrong. And it's not just to make fun of the Fed, but you can't even imagine the magnitude of how wrong they've been for the last two years. But every single Fed governor that has a luncheon makes headline news for why the market does what it does. It is absolutely nonsensical, not true, and is a total misdirection. But they have to have stuff to report every single day, or why would we pay attention? Right. Yeah, we. I, it comes to mind uh, soldiers marching in locks in step on a suspension bridge. It makes me wonder if the if we're going to have a bigger blow up or blow off. You know, well, it, the longer this goes on. Correct. Correct. And that is the. I, I am hopeful that the economy slows down enough to tamp down inflation. I'm hopeful that we quit spending money like drunken sailors because we are spending our future away. Money supply growth exploded at a level we've never seen. So, Terry, is it possible we have a giant implosion? Of course. Many have predicted that. Many have wrongly predicted that. It hasn't happened. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen. But the reality is, is this is truly unprecedented. One of the most overused words in the history of the planet, unprecedented. Yeah, I hate using it, but it truly is, and there's no other word that says we have never done this before on anything but, like this scale. And we'll see. But it's it different this time. Oh, pardon me. I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And we have to be careful, and it might be different, but we don't know what different is because we've never done this. We've never well, done this. So to uh, to to sit here and say, I'm sure this is going to happen, or I'm sure that's going to happen. And I told this story before one of our great wholesalers was in. And, of course, their company is wrong like everybody else. I mean, literally, they've been so dead wrong on the markets. But he laughs about it. We all laugh about it. They're wrong because they, – and, and, and he gets – we're not trying to predict anything. But the reality is, is when you look at how wrong these companies have been about the money supply and all of these other things, it is absolutely crazy. We are running backwards, backwards to – try to cover our, our tracks for all of these predictions that everybody makes and, and these big giant companies. It is something else to see. And they just can't get over themselves to having to have a prediction. We don't need to, Terry. Don't do it. Don't succumb to it. We just need to react to it. Well, all I know is that I'm going to take my uh, $4 winning Mega Millions ticket and reinvest it in another Mega Millions ticket. Well, I like it. Man, I can't believe you won four bucks. That's fantastic. I didn't know they had such things. Okay. Got it. Right. Got, I thought it was a billion or nothing. I didn't know. I, you know, or, or you got five of them, whatever it is. All right. Yeah. Got to have dreams, David. Yeah. All right. Have a great rest of the day. Same to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll take a quick break here for Fox News. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us. 580-KIDO, Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. Had a funny uh, uh, note the other day, and it just kind of cracks me up whenever when I think about it. I've actually thought about it for a couple of days here, and that uh, I, sh I should have done a notebook from all the places that I've done the radio show before. 
And, and, and it brought me back to thinking about years ago, doing it from the porch of the bar in Warren, because I was up in the far back country, and that was the closest place I could find a phone to call it in, and a logging truck going by. And all the people that let me know um, that they knew exactly where I was standing, things like that, whether it's the Virgin Islands, over in Europe, it's just, it's amazing with technology. And, and I just thought about it, and I, I appreciate you all putting up with sometimes an occasional glitch, a, a dropped call, a, a, a garbled something because the internet's not working well. And that's the beauty of live radio, and I appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. So, and thanks, thanks for the notes. I, I do appreciate those comments as well. And speaking of which, Joe also informs us that the melting snow on Mount Hood apparently is from a, you know, a warm spring pushing up rather than the greenhouse gas is pushing down and warming it up. So, um, and his comment is, of course, you won't hear about that. And I'm quite sure you're right. I wish we had an honest discussion about all of these things and why it's important. It is important to talk about, you know, climate change, but we can't just scream about it or act like it's some kind of bizarre religion. The world is going to end. So everybody stand out on top of your decks and wait for a comet to come by or whatever thing. This is not a religion, not a religion, but it is. But we're not running out of things. Are we really don't have a solution to an ever warming world? Of course we do. If it warms, of course we can. Technology will figure it out. Are we all just supposed to stop moving? Let's kill half the half of humanity? That's not an answer. Not a religious answer. And 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 I think we're gonna to come to those kind of discussions. I, I'm hopeful. So, Joe, thanks for the thanks for the comment. I'm sorry about that too. That they, we can't talk about that. All right, let me roll back to this. Okay, super important for us to continue to think about how our world changes, how we, when as the world changes, do we really want to invest in the same way? To think about the world in the same way. That doesn't mean we twist in the wind. It doesn't mean we don't have that beautiful tension between the you know the world the, the most dangerous words in investing this time it's different coupled with it's always different that tension between those two points not grabbing onto one or the other but the tension between the two and understanding that that's life it's an explanation of everything the tension of our emotions and what makes us human to thinking about things in a logical, practical way, not an emotional child. But hold that tension, understanding our humanity and our insight, our intuition, understanding that, but not turning that into certainty and emotion and ignoring the logic on the other side. All of those tensions, they're not just real. It's everything. Holding to a, a, a value investing or, or holding to growth, holding to this asset allocation model of purple and green and all these other things. Oh, yeah, we need some stuff over here. Why? 
It's not working. Like forever. Why will it start now? Isn't it fundamentally broken? If it is, I, I don't want to own it. If it's fundamentally broken. I mean, is diversification really buying like horrible companies and hoping they start to work? Is, it, is that diversification? Is it, to say, Mal, you know what? I've been wrong. You know, the, the automobile industry for the last 30, 40 years, 10, 20, 30, 40, however long, doesn't make any money. It makes no sense to invest in it. The airline industry, United, bankrupt twice, Delta twice, American, I don't know. That doesn't even include Eastern, bye-bye, Trump Airlines, bye-bye, and all the others. Just gone. Doesn't have a big enough brand name to wipe everybody out and then even restart. So, But I have to invest in that? I'm not saying I but, – but I want a fundamental reason why I should come back to an industry to invest in that does a really amazing job of destroying capital. Why? If that's diversification, investing in dictators and thugs in corrupt third world countries called emerging markets, it doesn't mean I can never own a South Korean firm or a Taiwanese firm. But I, do I really want to invest in Taiwan when – the second most powerful nation in the world is absolutely, most certainly, continues to tell us every single day they're going to attack and take it over. How'd that go for Hong Kong? Why am I doing that? I just think we continue to ask these questions. Why do I invest in Europe that creates almost nothing? And so when we think about U.S. and foreign, as I was kind of touching on in the first hour, I continue to come back to why? Why? Why do I want them? Why do I overweight them, underweight them? Why do you keep telling me they're cheap? When my answer would be, of course they're cheap. They're crappy. Because they've been taken over by a corporate jurisdiction, if you will, of no innovation. Where are the small businesses in Germany? And I'm not talking about the bakery. Where are the small businesses, small startups of a Silicon Valley in Austin, Texas, of Boise, Idaho? Companies that are creating things. Where, where are they? Or is there something broken in a culture of big government hanging over you that you don't that you stifle innovation. You know, I, that's not predictive. That's exactly what's happened. So shouldn't those companies be cheaper? Of course they should. Always the world is changing. And I think what we have to do is hold that tension between knowing it's changing and being Leaning a little more towards growth, technology, U.S., big companies, the things that are working, just maybe lean into those instead of this is what I grew up on. And holding the tension that I'm not, I'm not ignoring that things change. I'm not ignoring that sometimes these growth stocks don't work as well 
I'm not ignoring that. I'm still holding the tension between the two. But I don't want to diversify in order to diversify and own things that haven't worked, I don't think will work. I have no fundamental reason why they should work going forward, at least not as well as something else. That's the tension in my mind because the world is changing fast, faster than we can ever imagine, and that pace is picking up. Let's be aware. Not put our head in the sand. No, it will, in fact, continue to change and throw us off. But, you know, the thing of throwing us off, it's almost always, it's way more. No, no, I, I, I used an adjective in there. I shouldn't have. Almost. That's not true. Always is true. It always has become more abundant. Always. We just don't run out of stuff. No matter the predictions, we don't. We don't run out of stuff. And that's pretty amazing. I know. It's a bit, but this time is, I know, I know. It's a comma, but. I don't think it's a comma, but. I think the reality is we just don't. Technology fixes things. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. We need to take our final break. We will be right back. Hello, and thank you again for joining us. You know, it's, uh, it has been truly an amazing pleasure to do this and, uh, and, and absolutely an honor. I, I just have, I really appreciate it. And I do appreciate your comments, questions, and notes, maybe even a funny cartoon. I got one from Jim the other day. It was good. I, I, I just appreciate it. appreciate the engagement and just you helping me think differently, hopefully more deeply about things when it comes to our investing and thinking about our human nature and how wrong it is for investing. It's just terrible for us. Absolutely terrible. We are not built to do this well. Actually, I think it's one of the tricks in life is to Again, have that human tension. I often think of Star Trek and how, you know, we have the Vulcan Spock and Kirk, how the blending of that was so big a fabric in the show and our own human failings, faults, what have you. Interesting. And how we do get so emotional. And I was I was thinking the other day when I heard this, and it was like, I don't know, amazing. It's kind of it's kind of like listening, if you will, this little last news brief we have here on on Fox about, oh yeah, here here's the problem for the Navy, the you know Army, and why they can't recruit people. We're just marketing it wrong. It sounds like Joe and company just like, oh, we're just telling people wrong that the economy really doesn't have any inflation that. Spending too much money never did put us in a bad place. And we're just going to keep printing and 
waive the student debt over here, do this over here, has really no effect on the economy. And, and, and we just need to re-market and package it. And we think about that all the time. We get this idea that the Army isn't like becoming this weird place of wokeness that makes everybody want to leave. Certainly the fighting men and women, regardless of race, it's turned into this weird political thing instead of a destructive force. Maybe that's not as attractive to people. Like, who goes in the military because they want to be woke? It's just some of these things we put behind and we think about and push off on, on corporations and what's going on in the market, and then we finally come back, come all the way back to some form of sanity. And just this past week, you're seeing more and more articles of, well, yesterday, the diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, corporate position was super red hot like a couple years ago. They're quietly getting rid of those positions now. Interesting, isn't it? That's pretty quick. And maybe that peak of, I don't get it, I'm not, da, da, da. whether it's the military, it's corporate world, it's all of these things are being pushed down people's throats. That maybe that's changing. And if it is, that's an important point for investors, that we're moving back from the edge. Let's jump off the cliff and become Europe. Let's jump off the cliff and tax people and get rid of small businesses. Let's make banks bigger and bigger and bigger. We don't want small banks. All of the land to small business, we don't want that. We want big banks that don't even know who they are within the communities. All of these things, our small business is what's so different about us. So different. Small business drives to medium-sized business, to large business. It's how it works. In America, it just doesn't work elsewhere. It just doesn't because they don't have that fabric. It feels like we're grabbing that back where we aren't telling people everywhere what color of people they have to hire. No, we can't discriminate. That's absurd. Why wouldn't you find the best person for the job? But DEI and all these other things that were driving corporate decisions seem to be fading away. Pretty darn important for all of us when it comes to investment decisions. You know, I'm running out of time here. I don't know what the market's going to do next week, next month, next year. But over the rest of my life, I think we're going to continue to innovate, create, and grow and not run out of stuff. Have a great rest of the weekend. I appreciate you.